Good worship. Uh, so we're going to continue Goliath Must Fall. Uh, tonight we're talking about anger. Uh, so we're just continuing on in this Louis Giglio book, Goliath Must Fall. It's a super great book. Uh, I really like it and relate to a lot of it. Um, he does some sermons that are on this book. He also wrote the book. Um, he does some interviews talking about the book. Um, so definitely check those out. And we're ordering more books too. I think we have five books on the way. So if somebody wants a copy of the book, I just said book a million times. Uh, if somebody wants a copy of the book, we're going to have some up here pretty soon. So we're going to be talking about anger tonight. We're going to be continuing on in the story. Uh, so we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17, chapter 17. Um, I'll set my Bible down because it's heavy. Uh, I'm just so excited to be here tonight. I, I think anger is a really fun subject. I mean, it's not fun, but it's like something that's applicable to all of our lives. Uh, I have struggled with anger. I think anger is something that's very easily passed down from our parents. Uh, and so if you have angry parents, you probably have this bent, this tendency to be a little bit more angry. If you've grown up with parents who are like strict and who yell at you when you do something wrong, that's probably your MO. Like, I'm seeing some hands raised. Y'all don't have to raise your hands. Um, but amen. There's some people in this room who have grown up with parents who yell. And so uh, that kind of makes you a yeller. And you just have to kind of break that chain if you want to be different. So anger is something that we all encounter, kind of can be passed down. Sometimes you just develop it yourself. Um, but anger is something that we all deal with. Um, and it's, and it's pretty nasty when it comes out. I mean, when it like, when you get really angry and you respond to something in anger, normally it doesn't end well. So this is a great topic. I was like, yeah, let me teach on anger. Let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. Thank you. And Brett was like, yeah, you can do it. And I was like, thank you. Um, so story time. Uh, I had a girl who was my girlfriend in high school. Um, and this happened before I knew her, so I didn't like see it happen or anything. But this girl in high school, I'm not still dating her, by the way. I'm getting married in 19 days to my beautiful fiance, Emily. Amen. That's like the best amen I've ever gotten. Um, she's awesome. Way better than this girl that I was dating in high school. But let me tell you this story about this girl that I dated in high school. So this girl that I dated in high school, they had a big house. Um, they were pretty wealthy, which... I'm not saying to like begrudge them or anything, but they had a very big house and one day they were out um, shopping for groceries and I'm getting this music stand. Um, one day they were out getting groceries and so they weren't at their house one day and they got a call from the fire department and the police department um, and they said, hey, blah, 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 Mr. So-and-so, I'm not going to name drop, um, would you come back to your house? And so they came back to their house, and they showed up, and they were like, okay, what happened to our house? And they show up, and it's not burned down, it's more like destroyed. Uh, and so what had happened is they came home, they talked to the fire people, the fire department goes, hey, so your house, there was probably a natural gas leak. Um, and if any of y'all have heard about natural gas leaks. It's bad. Um, there was a natural gas leak. Um, so they didn't know how long it had been happening, but it had happened for a long enough time, like maybe days or weeks or maybe just a day if it's a big natural gas leak. But there was a natural gas leak um, in their house to the point where their house filled up with uh, gas. And then at some point, it probably hit like their water heater or a pilot light somewhere in a stove and ignited. 
And so their house was not only set on fire, but it was pretty blown up. Like all the windows gone, like a bunch of walls blown down. There were parts of their house that were still intact, but I mean, it was bad to the point where like they were like, yeah, we're going to file insurance and just build a new one because we don't want to, like that's too much. And it was a big brick house, so there was like rubble that just went everywhere when it exploded. Um, I have a video I want to show you. This is kind of graphic. Nobody died in this video. There's no sound on this video, but I want you to see to get a visual. So Tanner, play that video. So this is a cop car's um, cam. Boom. Now that's not their house. That's somebody else's house. That's not my ex's house from high school. But that's just a clip. I think that's from Philadelphia. Um, so you can kill that video now. But that just kind of gives you an idea of a natural gas explosion. And in this explosion, the interesting thing was like, if they had been home or if they had taken care of the situation, if they had smelled a little bit of natural gas and known there was a leak, or if one of their dogs had started barking, because fun fact, dogs can save your life by smelling gas leaks, um, or maybe if their alarms had went off, they could have stopped it. They could have stopped their house from exploding if they were home, but they were out. And so their house filled up to a point where there was no return. It got sparked by a little spark, whether it was like a pilot light or an oven or something, I'm not sure, um, and it exploded. I mean, devastation. Like you saw that video, like they ain't getting their house back. I don't know if you know. Uh, I don't know if they had dogs, actually. Cat Patterson's going, what about the dogs? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I hope they don't have dogs. That'd be really sad. You're going to cry now. That's good. Let it out. Um, but that's, that's the same thing that happens in our lives with anger. If we, if we take anger and we get angry about something and there's this hurt that happens in our lives and we just let it sit, we let it fester, we let it build, we don't take care of it when it happens for the first time, it builds up to a point where there's this flashpoint, there's this ignition, one more thing happens like, I don't know, one of your friends calls you stupid or something, right? And you've been building this anger for so long that at some point you just snap and you explode. I mean, I've experienced this in my life. I don't know about you. We, we have a pretty angry culture too. I don't know if you know. Um, some signs of that are if you're driving with your parents or if you're driving on the highway, the second somebody like changes into your lane and cuts in front of you on the highway, if your parents are driving, they're probably going to get angry. If you're driving, you're probably going to get angry. There might be cussing. There might be like middle fingering. I don't know. There might be shaking of fists. There might be like really bad words. I don't know. I tend to just smile at people. Like if you cut me off, I'm probably going to be like, I love you so much. But you can tell. I mean, there's like anger and it's like below the surface. I mean, we act really nice and we act really calm and we act really good and we feel like we hold it all together and we keep it all together. But then the second something happens, right? The second there's this, this spark, the second there's an ignition, boom, we just blow up at somebody. I mean, I've even seen this with pastors before. I've worked in churches where a pastor just kind of snaps and yells at everybody in the office, and it's like, did he just do that? Is this man Lord? And he just yelled at me? Oh, no. I haven't seen that here. So, amen. Our pastors are awesome. They're legit. Um, but under the surface, there's this anger, and we have this angry culture, and um, we see this kind of happen in the story of David and Goliath. We see um, David show up on the scene. 
And his brother ends up totally just snapping at him and ripping his head off. So let's read, not literally ripping his head off. Let's read uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. Read along with me. And David said to the men who stood by him, David just showed up in the valley. He said, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. So David shows up, he's like, hey, what happens if I kill this big dude? And they're like, you've heard Brett talk about this. They're like, uh, you're going to be given a lot of money. Your family's never going to be paid in taxes again. Uh, you get to marry the king's daughter and be royalty. Like all these things, they're listing these out to him because David's new and, and they've been giving a better reward every day. So they're like, here's all the stuff. And then listening um, in verse 28 is Eliab. Eliab, it says here, is David's oldest brother. And so it says in verse 28, follow along with me. It says, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down here? Uh, anybody else have like a version that says something different other than kindled? Some versions say, Eliab's anger was enraged against David. Eliab sees David, his little brother, come into the valley, start asking about the giant and what's going to happen, and Eliab totally snaps. He goes, why are you here? So keep reading with me. It says, continuing on, Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, why have you come down? And why... And with whom have you left the few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumptions and the evil of your heart, for you have come to see the battle. And so we see a brother, a younger brother, like we have the two cases sitting here, right? Okay, so we have young case showing up in the valley on the scene. He's like, yo, 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 uh, there's a big dude disrespecting my God. What are we going to do about him? What do I get if I kill him? All right? And we have older case, eldest case, go, why are you here? Like, what, what are you doing? When, in fact, I mean, if you see a relative that you haven't seen for a while, Eliab should welcome David. He should see his brother and he should welcome him. And he should go, hey guys, this dude, this is legit. This dude has been blessed by the Lord. He has been anointed by Samuel. He's killed lions. He's killed tigers, bears, sorry, lions and bears. Um, I've, seen, I've seen sheep get taken. And David, David went and got, got the sheep back. Like that's craziness. He's anointed by God. So he should welcome his brother. He should be telling good things of his brother. But instead of telling good things of his brother, he instantly shot, starts firing shots at his brother. It says, and so they answered him, and Eliab got angry, and Eliab said, um, why have you come down here? And with whom have you left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumptions and the evil of your heart, for you have come to see the battle. 
And so Eliab is firing these shots. Eliab is probably firing these shots because he knows what's going to happen. I mean, imagine Eliab. You're sitting there for 40 days, right? And this, this dude has been yelling at you. He's been yelling at your God. He's been yelling at your army for 40 days. And you're the eldest brother. And you haven't done anything about it. And then your little brother, who's anointed, comes on the scene. He's like, yo, why is this dude yelling about my God? What is going on? Why haven't y'all taken care of this? And so Eliab probably gets angry because he knows that David is anointed and David's going to kill Goliath. He knows that pretty soon David is just going to completely smoke Goliath because of his faith in the Lord. And so before David can do anything, Eliab starts firing shots and accusing him of having a wicked heart, accusing him for, of coming to the valley for the wrong reasons. And, and I think that this is because Eliab wasn't shown favor before. And so there's this hurt in Eliab's life. When, when Samuel came to David's family, Listen, 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 listen. There's some talking in the back. When, when Samuel came to anoint somebody, I mean, normally it would be like the eldest, right? Like the big guy, the big guns. That's who you'd anoint. But instead he picks the youngest child. So Eliab's got this hurt. He's been ignored. He's been not anointed. Uh, he's upset about it. And he never dealt with his anger. Um. Tanner, put these different ways to express anger on the screen. I want to walk these through with you. No, before that. The three different ways. Yep. So there's three types of anger here. And there's wrongly felt anger. So let me talk you through this first one. Wrongly felt anger is when you think someone said something about you or you think someone meant something and they didn't. Like you misheard somebody or you read a text wrong or something, right? And so you're angry, but it's not warranted. There's no reason for you to be angry, pissed off, upset. There's no reason for that. So number two, rightly felt anger that's wrongly expressed. There are times to feel anger. There are righteous times to feel anger. We see this in this story with David. David comes into the valley. He gets pretty miffed off. I mean, he's like, why is this guy talking about my God? If he doesn't stop soon, I'm going to end him. And then we know the story. We've heard it from Brett. I mean, you have this duel between two dudes where Goliath's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm so big. And David's like, nah, I'm going to cut off your head. And so you have rightly felt anger that's wrongly expressed. And, and I get it. I'm not trying to belittle anybody tonight. I'm not trying to like say anything bad. There are things in your lives that have happened to you that you should be angry about. So hear me on that. Like, I'm not saying that you're wrong for being angry at times, but there's right ways and wrong ways to express that. Um, so uh, put Ephesians up there, Tanner. This is Ephesians. There's a biblical way to be angry. It says, be angry, do not sin, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So from Scripture, we're seeing that you can be angry without sinning. And we see this in the story, right? David's angry, but he doesn't sin. 
his brother's angry, but his brother sins. Right? His brother starts firing shots at him. His brother is vicious. His brother cuts him down before he can do this work for the Lord. So go back to those types of anger, Tanner. There's wrongly felt anger. There's rightly felt anger that's wrongly expressed. And there's rightly felt anger that's never expressed. And that's what we're dealing with with Eliab here. Eliab wasn't anointed. He was hurt by it. He never talked it out. He never worked it through. And so Eliab, at a certain point, like the house, blows up. And he cuts his brother down and he treats his brother poorly in a way that he shouldn't. Um, and there's a way as Christians for us to resolve these different types of anger. And the way for us to resolve these different types of anger, the way for us to work through anger is at the cross. This is the bottom line for tonight. You can write this down. If you get one thing, get this. The place where we can resolve our anger is called the cross. I'm going to give you four tools. Tanner, put those up there. These are four ways to deal with anger. And they all relate to the cross, and they're all applicable to any Christian. So the first one, uh, remind ourselves that we aren't perfect to begin with. Let me walk you through this. In light of the cross, in light of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, I can't really judge people. I mean, when I know that I have wronged God and that I'm not perfect, when I am at the foot of the cross praying to God, spending time with God, spending time in His Word, hear me, the shadow of the cross in what Jesus did on the cross to take away my sins, there's no judgment for other people. Because when I'm at the cross and I'm repenting and when I'm spending time with Jesus, I'm not thinking about other people. So we have to acknowledge that we aren't perfect. We have to think about ourselves. A lot of the times when we're angry, it's because we're looking at the weaknesses in other people's lives instead of looking at the glaring weaknesses in ours. So when we spend time with Jesus, when we spend time at the cross, we're confronted by our own stuff. We care about our own stuff. When we are repenting and we pray to Jesus, there should never be a time when we're going, okay, God, uh, this person really sinned, blah, 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 blah. No, we should be working on ourselves. We should be spending time with Jesus, um, talking about ourselves. And that goes into the second thing. Uh, we remind ourselves that God has made peace with us. So Jesus came to earth. Here's the gospel. Jesus came to earth, died on the cross to take our sins away. Jesus made peace with us through the cross. If Jesus can forgive us, then I don't think there's probably a person that we can't forgive. And I know like some of you are like, yeah, but they really hurt me. Or, yeah, but my parent really hurt me. Or, yeah, but these people fired my dad from work. Or, yeah, but they abandoned me. Or, but, yeah, but they, ignore, they ignored me and they paid more attention to other people. Well, 
at some point in our lives, we abandoned Christ. We walked away from Christ. We sinned against Christ. You say, yeah, but like this person spit in my face. Probably not literally. I don't know. Is there anybody who's had their face spat in? Oh my gosh. London. <laughs> That's right. Was it an accident? No? Okay. So somebody spit in your face. I'm not saying somebody spit in your face. I'm saying somebody spit in your face at one time. So there was a time when we did the same to Jesus. There's never a time where we should judge other people because if Christ can forgive us, we can forgive others. If Christ sent his son into this world to save us, then we should have the same attitude towards others. Um, go, to the, go back to that tenor. Number three, uh, the next one, yep. Uh, we believe God is our avenger. So this one's pretty simple. Um, not avengers like Tony Stark, but we believe that God is our avenger. God is a wrathful and holy God. God cannot coexist with sin. Wrath is part of his character. And, and he's loving, don't misinterpret me, he's loving, but wrath is part of his character. And so you have to trust that on a day of judgment, everyone's going to be judged. And there are some people who will be judged who have the blood of the Lamb, who are saved because of Jesus' death on the cross, and there are some people who won't. So you have to trust that God is the avenger, and you have to trust that he loves you and that he's going to do everything justly someday. Someday, everything is going to be made right. All justice will be laid out before people, and it's going to be to God's level. It's not to ours. You might think, oh, I'm going to do this mean thing back to this person because they were unjust to me. Well, God's justice is perfect and better than anything else. So when we talk about God being our avenger, we know that God loves us. We know that God sent his son to die for us, but we also know that there's going to be a day of judgment, and we know that God's going to take care of everything. So our job is to love people. Our job is to know the cross, to know Jesus, to know the gospel, and to preach it to people. Our job is not to be the avengers, is not to be Tony Stark. Our job is to love people and let God do his justice, let God do his perfect work that he will do eventually. And when that day of justice comes, back to the first thing, I don't think that we're going to be really worried about what other people did for against us, right? Like when that day of justice comes, we're going to see our lives. We're going to have an account of what we did. Jesus is going to say, I paid for it with my blood on the cross. And we're going to say, you know, they really hurt me, but I kind of did some bad stuff too. And I, I know that our prayer is going to be, God, would you love them in the same way that you loved me? Would you give them grace in the same way that you gave me grace? So let God take the vengeance. You don't need to do that. You don't need to worry about that. Two wrongs don't make a right. Scripture says don't return evil with evil. I mean, God's going to take care of it, really, and he loves you, and so he is going to lay out justice someday, and you don't have to worry about it. What you need to worry about is loving people. And so if someone hurts you, which I'm sure that many of us have been hurt in the room. Uh, consider the cross, the way that Jesus loved you, took away your sins, and you need to consider loving them the way that Jesus loved you. 
the last thing um, as we're wrapping up is that we have to forgive. The ultimate antidote towards anger is forgiveness. That, that verse from Ephesians said, don't go to bed, don't let the sun set on your anger. Uh, you've, you've had struggles, you've had people hurt you, maybe something happened today at your school or somebody hurt you or said something bad about you, questioned your motives and your attitude like Eliab did to David. Well, you have to forgive them. If you want to get rest, if you want to get sanctification, if you, if you want to move on, you have to forgive them at some point. And I would encourage you, I mean, me and Emily, one of the things with us is that, like, we don't go to bed angry like the Scripture says. I mean, for us, if we have a problem, we work it out before we go to bed, even if it means staying up late. Um, so forgive people. I mean, the, the antidote to anger is forgiveness, and so some of you might be going, well, they don't want my forgiveness. They won't text me back. They won't FaceTime me. They won't Snapchat me. They won't look at me in person. They don't want my forgiveness. What do I do? Well, you can still get the benefit of forgiveness. You can still forgive them and move on even if they don't want your forgiveness. But you have to forgive them because the way that the giant of anger is going to be released off your life, the thud of him hitting the ground is forgiveness and your freedom. Because what you don't want to do is get old someday and you have a bunch of people who you're bitter towards, you have a bunch of grudges, you have a bunch of anger towards people. You don't want to live an angry life. Freedom is, is such a blessing. I mean, when you're angry and then you've been angry for a while, it just makes you a person who you don't want to be. I don't want to be like Hulk in the Avengers. Y'all remember that? Um, line from the first Avengers movie where they're all together and they're like, Hulk, what's your secret? And he's like, I'm always angry. Like, I don't want to be like that. I want to be a happy person. I want to be loving. I want to like have good relationships with people and friendships and, and laugh together. So you have to forgive people. And, and here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. There's kind of a saying that went on like maybe a year ago, let go and let God. You remember that? was a hashtag at one point, let go and let God. I never really liked that, but Louis talks about it in his book, and I like really like it now. Because it's, it's what we're talking about here. You let go of your anger, you let go of your grudges, you let go of everything, and you just focus on loving people, and let God handle the justice, let God handle the vengeance, let God handle those situations. And so if there's someone you're angry about or if there's some situation going on, I would encourage you to walk through these steps. Know what Jesus did for you. Know that he made peace with you and he loved you. Know that God's going to make it all right at the end of the day. Um, and then forgive so that you can move on. And I mean, if there's any testimonies after this, like if you talk with somebody like uh, Caitlin did with her friend, I mean, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to hear that forgiveness happen between two people. Um, we don't need a bunch of angry kids in Georgetown and Round Rock and Liberty Hill. We need people who love people. So just let those grudges go and then 
and love people and walk in freedom and let that giant of anger fall away. Let's pray.